0: Nix fans, how are you? Um, it is your boy John of the Macri uh, with you for, um. Well, I guess this might be the last Knicks Film School podcast for a little while. Um, I don't know. You know. So, to, to, taking let's go back for a second. So, um. Coming up in the episode shortly, I have an interview with um, uh, Bleacher Reports, Own Weissman, about his new book, um, Tanking to the Top. Uh, it's a book about the process sexers. Awesome book. Um, great interview. We had a great conversation about stuff that I think uh, Nick fans will find very interesting. Um, we, we recorded that interview at um, 7 o'clock. Uh, on what is it Wednesday night, and um, I, I I had recorded an intro for it afterwards. I guess at about eight, and uh, I had to scrap that because in I don't even know what time it is right now ten ten twenty at night on Wednesday. Um, I guess about an hour after the NBA has announced that uh, it will indefinitely suspend play for the rest of this season. Um, it's, I was going to say um, that I, I don't know. Well, even like there's not gonna be any games to speak about for a bit. Um, maybe there'll still be some rumors. I, I don't know, but um, I guess the long and the short of it is I, I don't know. I don't know how much, I'm gonna be able to podcast about for a little bit. Maybe, you know, we we'll get we we'll got Spencer on, talk some draft. Um <laughs> pretty at some point. Uh that'll that'll fill our fill our brain space. Um but yeah, it's just this is all very surreal and uh you know, like you probably um I have you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's real life shit. I have a wife who's who's who convinced that she has contracted this thing. I'm knocking on wood that that's her. She also has severe anxiety disorder, so I, I'm fairly certain that she has not. But you know, I'm, I'm sure you have someone in your life who's like, "Oh, I bet you I have it," or whatever. Um, yeah, I just I don't know. These are It's weird. I think Mark Stein actually tweeted about this earlier. You know, these are the times where sports are supposed to serve as a distraction. And obviously, in light of um, the NBA suspending its season because of, uh, I guess, Rudy Gobert is the only one so far that's been announced uh, as having contracted this thing. Um, But, yeah, it's, whew, boy. Um, So, Hey. Um, at least the Knicks go out on a high note. They won one thirty six, one thirty one. I'm not. I'm not really going to talk about that game too much. Um, although I will say it was fun. They tried very hard to lose it, um, giving up an eighteen point lead in the fourth quarter, most of which uh, was single handedly to Trey Young, who went a little uh, uh, nuclear there, um, and just was unstoppable. Uh, but you know, we got it's great performance. probably the best RJ Barrett game that we've seen in a little while. He's had, um, he's had some nice games over the second half of the season. So, Hey, listen, if this is the last game, the Knicks have to play for a while. And we go into what is maybe an extended break. We could probably go into it feeling pretty good about the young core of this team. Knox had some moments tonight. He looked really lively. You know, Frank had his game, obviously um, on uh Tuesday night, Mitch is Mitch, and uh, hey, Julius Randle, making us all eat our words. 33 points on 22 shots. He was damn good. Uh, they wouldn't have won this game with it without him down the stretch. So um, nice win for the Knicks, although I guess if you're a tanker, um, talking to you, Jeremy Cohen, this was a, a bad win. Um, but whatever, I'll, I'll take it. Um, Yeah, that's, I mean, I, that's really all I got. I, I wish I had something more enlightening Or insightful to say, Um, but I certainly don't because I, like you, am just trying to figure out what tomorrow is going to look like and the day after that and, uh, and the day after that. So, you know, do my PSA, wash your hands, don't, don't, you know. Go any place you don't got to go. If you can stay home from work, stay home from work. The whole thing. Um, that's all I got. Um, so let's get to the interview with uh, your own Wiseman. Um, but uh, before we do, because <laughs> uh, still try try to pay pay some bills as long as we can. A quick word from our friends at the Athletic. Um, Uh, You know I'm a big fan of The Athletic, uh, genuinely, because I always retweet their stuff and include a lot of uh, Mike Vorkanoff's pieces in the newsletter. Um, They're fantastic. It's just, you know, there's no pop-ups, no clickbait. It's just really good sports writing. His piece today on um, how Frank's breakout game was maybe a long time coming. He made some adjustments and um, included some great video in there, so... Um, He's always got great stuff. They have national writers, they have local writers for every team, um, player profiles, analytics, fantasy uh, stuff, power rankings. It's literally everything you could possibly want in a in a sports site, um, including live writer Q and As. They have an app which is really helpful. You pick your favorite teams. It's all good stuff. So if you want to get started and you want to get forty percent off a yearly subscription, um, and I'm by the way, I'm sure the Athletic uh, more than anyone will be all over the sports side of this coronavirus thing. So it's a good time to get it. Um forty percent off a yearly subscription. Go to theathletic.com slash overtime. One more time. That is theathletic.com slash overtime and uh that'll get you forty percent off your yearly subscription. Yeah. Think that's it. Think that's all I got. You got anything else? My wife's over here shaking her head. No. Okay. Um, I'll talk to you when I talk to you. Um, And without further ado, your own Weissman uh, of Bleacher Report and author of the fantastic new book, Tanking to the Top The Philadelphia 76ers and the Most Audacious Process in the History of Professional Sports. I have with me on the line, uh, the one, the only, the author of, um, I'm going to go ahead and call it right here, the first truly modern, like, tell-all NBA sports book, Um, and I'm going to get into why I think that's the case, um, of the, let's say, the social media age. Your own Weissman of Bleacher Report, he wrote, tanking to the top I'm gonna read the whole title: The Philadelphia 76ers and the most audacious process in the history of professional sports. Uh, first of all, Your Own, how are you?
1: I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Um, you you appreciate it. You're coming from the full 48, and you know, <laughs> um, true hoop to me on the Knicks Film School podcast to say this is a little bit of slumming on your part. I think. How oh, I? Will say no such thing. <laughs>
1: um. So yeah, you no, know, I. I I was, well, I'm going to cut you off. I really, I'm really here just so Clarence has to listen to me talk again. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's why I'm really here.
0: Listen, Clarence will deal with it, and he will like it. Um, right. He does not have a choice in the matter. Um, <laughs> I, I was, you know, I, I this so I have placed this book along with you know my other favorite basketball books that I've ever read because I think this really joins the ranks. And I was thinking about it um, in the context of some of those, and obviously there have been other you know, fantastic tell all MBA books before um over the course of, you know, several decades. But I I'm trying to think of one uh, there hasn't been one of late that really gets into the behind the scenes, all this kind of stuff that you get into in an age that we're in now. And I don't know if you want to call it the social media age, um, but just where <laughs> there's so much information flowing around and it's your job I feel like as the reporter who was writing this book changed from it's not just getting behind the scenes but also sifting through I think probably a lot of misinformation so let's yeah, start yeah. there what yeah. What was the process like for you to write this book uh it
1: sucked no, <laughs> <laughs> it's the, no it I love exactly the honesty funny, right? it, it did so I will say this and like I found and I've said this a few times you know like as I'm doing some of these like I really enjoy, I enjoy learning things. I'm not just saying that in like a cliche way. Like I'm a student of history. I like learning. No, It's cool learning new things. I enjoyed seeing, and I found it illuminating how little we, Well, oh, I shouldn't say we. I've been saying we. I, I'll say I, but I think a lot of us, we. Um, how little we actually know of what happens behind closed doors in the NBA, right? And like how sure. decisions are made. And I found that. Um. That was, I don't know, that was exciting. That was cool. Like I love diving into one team just like knowing everything and like i like that i could look on the sixers bench and know who the fourth assistant coach like you know sitting behind the bench is and like what his deal is right i i enjoyed that part um difficulty yeah i mean getting the information like i mean i write this in the intro right the sixers didn't yeah. participate sam Haney didn't participate the sixers went out of their way to call former employees to remind them of ndas they had and telling players um you know, I had one player I had desk, can I do an interview I'm in the book? He said, sure, I'll give you an hour, whenever you need. Go up to him a month later. He says, team says I can't do interviews for the books. Um, so stuff like that. Uh, that was not fun. Though it's like, you know, looking back, it's like I kind of, in a way, I now appreciate and kind of like the challenge of it um, from that standpoint where maybe if everyone was participating, honestly, the book's probably not as good, right? It, it's... Pro-
0: it's- I I for me uh, you setting up the book like that made it more compelling from the start um so I for, for my two cents I think it worked um the other thing that you mentioned in the very beginning was that you set out to write uh, I think a very different book than what you ended up writing you wanted to write uh, you put it, the the NBA version of of Moneyball yeah. um and then I, my guess is you realized pretty early that that wasn't going to happen um when you realize that, were you just like, oh, shit, what the hell do I do now? Or do you just kind of roll with it? Like, what, what do you do when you, your initial idea changes kind of early on?
1: That's a good question. Like, you should see, like, in my proposal that I used to get this book deal, Um, it would probably be hilarious looking at it now, right? It's like, I will talk to this person and this person about this and that. And, you know, it's probably, I don't think any of it, it's probably 10% correct in terms of what I said I would do and what the book would be. Um... Yeah, it's funny, right? I don't know if there was a, there, you know, the, there was a moment when I realized I thought I would get Sam. Like, I really thought, you know, I've been told, you get told no a lot in this business and usually, for the most part, people break down a lot, especially if you're doing like a big project like this and you, sure. you know, you go around. and I kind of always think about it like if you think of somebody in the middle of a circle and then like you start like four layers out, and you keep getting closer and closer and puncturing and puncturing and eventually, you get, excuse me, eventually you get to that person. Um, so yeah, it's funny because there there was a moment, I don't remember when it was, I guess. Yeah, that's a funny question, right? I don't know if there was a specific moment where I realized, well, this book will have to change. Um, it also became, it coincided with um, some of the people I was getting through to earlier, even on background or whatever. Sure, yeah. Um, and hearing their stories and it was like, oh, there's, uh, there, there's other things going on here that I have to look at. And I think maybe that's what it was, that doing that, having that happen early on sort of changed my trajectory. And the other thing is like, I don't know. I had a book deal, right? So if someone's not participating, it's like, I can't say, oh, not happening, guys. Like, that's not happening. Like, I had a book, and it was due, and a deadline, and it was happening. So it's up to you to kind of figure out how to do it.
0: And and you did. And I think, um, it, I, tell me if you disagree with this. This almost felt like two different books in one. There's like the first half of the book, which, tried, which you know, it's hinky, and it's the process and all the things that went into when he was there, and then I feel like when he gets fired, it's it's around maybe not exactly the middle of the book, but it's like mm-hmm. whereabouts, and then you see everything that happened afterwards. Um, and it's it almost turns into I would say a soap opera, except all of this shit really happened, um, right? Which I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you wouldn't. I, I mean, we as NBA fans, we all lived through it, and still going back and reading it, it's just like my god. Um, I actually want to go back to the beginning. Um, not the very beginning. You actually do uh-huh. the going back to it, like the Allen Iverson days. I found that stuff fascinating. But um, you get to the first season under the process uh, as it's now known, um, and you write about the three and O start, and I had forgotten that that happened.
1: Yeah, hilarious, right? With- I found some good blogs about that. Like, oh my god, we've like, all had to do. You know, we all work in the internet age where like so you know clearly well sixers three now let's get some content out on them and here's like you know stats breaking down their pace and their three-point shooting and looking back it's pretty funny
0: (laughs) and and michael carter williams he had you know whatever almost a triple double we had like nine steals um it was crazy keeping in mind obviously that you only talk to him for that Conversation which you talk about at the very end of the book, which I think is funny. um What do you think Hickey was feeling at that time? What, what do you think was going through his mind as they were sitting there at three and zero? That's,
1: that's funny. That's a good question, right? Like, is he throwing things at the wall? You know, saying what is going on? um Honestly, the boring answer, and often with Hinky the boring it is boring answer. I'm best betting he's saying, you know, process over results. Like, you know, the odds will play out. This is the team. You know, I don't that, and he's not sweating in that situation. That would be uh, that would be my guess. But then, like, I. It's funny. I'm talking about the book a lot, and like, you get timelines confused. But I believe was it that deadline? I wish I remember the next one. But I think it was that one where they traded. Where they traded? Was it Thaddeus Young? Was he traded that year? Um, uh, I no, I think no, because Thad was Thad was with them.
0: I think Thad was with them that whole year. Oh, no, I'm, I know MCW was good, traded the following deadline. Um, obviously, right. he spent the whole year with them as rookie of the year. I forget, but yeah, no, that it, it might have been the following one.
1: I'm gonna look it up quickly as we talk because I think he might have said like that might have been the tell. Yeah, no, he was traded that. Oh no, I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Nah, who knows? Okay, we don't have to do this. Um, Rich,
0: Jason Richardson's the one
1: that I remember was there for the longest. He's the vet yeah, that stayed He was out. a vet. Yeah, he actually, I actually didn't because you know everyone talks no vets, no vets, and Richardson he was there the whole time or you know the whole time whatever it was a long chunk. Like he was definitely part of that group. Um. Yeah, no, maybe it was the offseason and then the Thad was traded. I forget It's So, you know, man, this is churning it, out. No, like but the it really check- does run together. And yeah, it, it, like reading it, I was like,
0: oh, my God, I forgot that happened then. And this and that. That's why it was part of what made it a great read.
1: You're telling me, man, the fact checking on just like paragraphs of like all the transactions and stuff was just. Oh, my God. And there were it, so many it, of them. Yeah, it, was, it was a headache.
0: Well, so speaking of those transactions, um, second round picks, he accumulated them like, yeah. you know, they were going out of style. Um he did a lot of, a lot of things that, go, again, going back and reading this now, and again, this was only you know six, seven, eight years ago. I, I'm thinking like no one obviously has emulated tanking to this level, and I, I'll get into that in a bit, and and whether you think that could ever happen again. But in terms of stuff like the depth of his drafting, and um, or like what went into preparing for the draft, and scouting, and how analytics seeped its way into that process. And, you know, even you write about, um, they were tracking performance, um, with players were being graded, not on like points and rebounds, but on like box outs and deflections, yeah, and and stuff like that. All yeah, that. Yeah. And, you know, and this is what just, you know, I'm obviously I root for the Knicks who I mm-hmm. feel like don't do any of this shit. I, yeah, I know it, it gets out there. I can't really hide it. Um, and I think any NBA fan, you know, is always trying to think about what, their team is doing or not doing to be successful, and which is why I found some of this stuff so fascinating. Do you almost think like Kinky was, I don't know revolutionary was too strong a word, but was he ahead of his time with all, forget about the tanking, with all of the other
1: stuff as well? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think a lot of it, like, you know, I'd have to go back. Like, it does seem like he was, maybe someone will send in an example of, well, this person did that, but it does seem like he was ahead or just more creative in thinking about how to use, Cat, had an asset hunt maybe that'd be the phrase right and so, true. like like we talk about you know so using knicks right one of the big criticisms of the knicks this offseason um was that you know not renting out their cap space with like for like a tax basically i, I hadn't heard that, that. Like, did they not do that <laughs> I, exactly yeah, but it's amazing yeah. though that that's like i don't know like that seems like i don't th- i feel like hinky is sort of the great like that because of hinky that idea became sort of common among even you don't have to be even like a I I don't know, you don't have to be an NBA fan who's studying cleaning the glass every day to know about that strategy, right? It's almost become, I'm not going to say quite mainstream, but like people are aware of that stuff, right? And so I think that, I really would say that was him, a lot of those kind of things. Like tanking's not, but some of the more creative things, the uh, excuse me, the salary floor weirdness that he did, I mean that that's not really team building, it's more saving your owners some dollars, which whatever that's good for him, but the idea of like you know, if I get JaVale McGee for $18 million like that guy's for those who don't know, right? If it's they're not prorated to hit the salary floor. If you have a guy for one day on your team, his entire year salary counts towards your floor. Um, it
0: was genius, honestly. Yeah. Although it had repercussions, which is actually going to get to my next question. But continue. Yes,
1: yeah, but no, I w- I think it's fair to say. I mean, I guess it came from Daryl Morey, who was doing like uh, some of those stuff. But even that, I don't think Daryl was as as creative. And again, it's easier to be creative when you have no, um your only priority is to do that, right? Like you don't have to worry about who's on the floor. All you have to worry about is how can I build up the assets? How can I add assets? So no, but he did a bunch of those things for sure. I think that's fair to say.
0: Um, something that he didn't do uh, was give uh, two shits about what agents thought or uh, the power that they had. And some of my favorite parts of the book, or, or where you write about that? Um, I'm actually, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to, I'm going to quote some of your writing to you. Oh, uh, well, looks better. <laughs> so you, so you talk about um, in, uh, you talk about this in a few sections, but you quoted one, um, I think you put it as an assistant general manager of a different team, uh, this is a world where you have to deal with the same people for a long time in many different settings, The my way or the highway thing, it doesn't work. <laughs> if I'm completely, <laughs> if I completely annihilated you this time, then why would you help me at all in the future? And then you talk on uh, the next page about how Jeff Schwartz um, and Excel sports management basically had an edict that we're, we're not dealing with Hinky and the Sixers anymore. Mm-hmm. Um then again, oh, I always try to relate this stuff back to the Knicks. The, ah, Knicks fine they
1: relate, yeah.
0: the, the Knicks have been accused by me many times of going the opposite direction and going too far and countering to agents and just making decisions that aren't remotely smart basketball decisions to try to, you know, get in with with uh, agencies, one of which is now um, running their team. Um, but do you think, like, if you've injected hinky with true serum do you think he regrets this do you th- or maybe a different way of putting it do you think he would have lasted longer if he had maybe cleaned
1: up some of those areas of how he approached the job um okay so separate questions and answers so the first regret yes and no right i feel like everything i answered this book and i've been as i've been answering questions like this is like well there's a gray area in this context but yeah, it's sure so but it's uh, but it's funny so yes and no so the regret, i think he would say and you know people have i think people I'm trying to remember, you know, you lose track of the conversations you've had, but I'm pretty sure people have told me that they've heard him say like, yeah, I'd probably do things a little differently, you know, understand, recognize that part. More so with the media, talking to media than anything else um, to get his message out there. But I think he would change a little bit. That said, I also think he was of the belief and still believes that like, so let's use Jeff Schwartz as an example, right? Jeff Schwartz gets annoyed that they trade Michael Carter Williams. Jeff Schwartz um, felt he was lied to in terms of uh, in terms of how that trade was going to happen, whether, believe it or not, separate question, right? Um, yeah. And, but Hinky's response would be, okay, but let's say Jeff Schwartz, I don't know who's Jeff Schwartz, Kemba Walker, I believe, is Jeff Schwartz client. okay? Let's say uh, Kemba Walker hits free agency and wants to come to us, like, by the time we're good, and he wants to come to us, if Jeff Schwartz is going to be able to say, well, I'm annoyed at him that because of the Michael Carter-Williams thing, so don't go there, and Hinkey's belief was no, and he's probably right. Um, but again, I think that that's a very Sam way of thinking, like, for somebody who's very into nuance and preaches about nuance and things, sometimes it could be very black and white in his thinking. You know, like, yes, that is technically true, but you're missing all these other gray areas where that, where the relationship can, where a frayed relationship can affect you. It, um, there, you know, go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm listening to you talk about, and it just, it strikes me that like, it's almost similar to how a lot of fans think. Because, like, I you know, I interact on Twitter every day with people and they're like, this is, you know take a Knicks example, playing, you know, Julius Randall and, and RJ Barrett and a, a bunch of non-shooters together. Like, this is stupid. This doesn't work. It's a black and white issue. You shouldn't do this. And it almost seems like Kinky thought like that a little bit. And it, like, I maybe that's what made him so endearing to like, you know, for instance, the rights to Ricky Sanchez guys and so many yep. process truthers and everything. Um, I, 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 Not really a question. It was just an observation hearing you no, talk about this.
1: No, it's interesting. You know, it's funny. And so the the other part is staying in. What you ask me about keeping his job is that what you say? Is that yeah. um, somebody freeze I, I see. I'm gonna rip off. It was uh Brian T- Topper. I hope I'm pronouncing his right name correctly. Brian Topperick, Topperick, who does a podcast. And I was talking about a similar thing earlier today on the show, and he he brought up the Bernie Sanders um comparison, and not from a uh, not in terms of the politics of it, but in terms of the idea that like part of your job one of the criticisms on standards would be right he's sticking to his ideals and not understanding that and maybe people disagree i don't have to dive into that but not understanding that you know to get elected to get the job there are certain compromises you it's have a to great make, comp- certain, certain things you have to do and that part of your job in that power. if you believe you're you're the one who's needed like is to stay employed to get the job to keep the job and sam i don't think he put i don't know if it was an, out of not thinking that it would come at him or just not caring or just an altruistic but he didn't seem he almost didn't he didn't act like he cared whether he kept his job which is a funny thing to say but you know what i mean and i yeah think, no i do and i think that's you know if part of the yeah part of your idea is like this is these are politics positions, these are political positions too and you have to you have to if you believe you're the guy who the sixers need um and not because you're a huge ego because you think you have this plan and you want to stick through well allowing yourself to stay in position to to execute that plan is important and he did not do that.
0: Yeah. And I I wonder if just maybe the people that last in the NBA the longest and that are the best at it, you know, the Riley's and the you know, whoever mm-hmm. else in the world, just basically they're they're better at um faking this stuff that Hinky didn't have the time nor energy to fake. Hey guys, quick word from our good friends at my bookie. March Madness, of course, is here. Um <laughs> there won't be any Fans at the games, but it is still happening as far as we know. Um, Championship week for college basketball. Obviously, it's here. Um, Time to score big with nonstop action from my bookie, which is the best place for you to go to cash in on all the exciting conference tournament games buzzer beaters, improbable upsets, everything you could possibly want. Uh, Championship week, as you know, is where legends are made, and you don't want to be the one to miss out on the action. They offer live betting for every game, bracket challenges, national championship futures, I like those, and more. You could bet on almost anything, including the Democratic nomination. Who wouldn't want to bet on that? Um, The presidential election, you could even find the name of the next pope. These are these are the things I'm here for. My bookie caters to all players, whether you research each matchup or you just fill out your bracket based on mascots. My bookie has something for you. Join now and start winning big today. Um, and oh, if you're sick and tired of you know the runaround when you ask for a payout, uh, my bookie's great because it pays fast when you win, and uh, they have decades of experience, great customer service, hassle-free transaction. Really, why would you bet anywhere else? Here's the key. Visit mybookie.ag and use promo code Film School. I forgot the promo code for a second for a fifty percent deposit bonus. One more time, that promo code for visit or for uh, mybookie.ag is Film School. Bet with the biggest, win with the best. Only at mybookie. Something else that he was accused of, which I don't know if it's fair. Again. I'm going to quote something to you, is um, culture that, uh, you know, you you write very detailed about how the the Okafor thing was, not that it was, I, I you said this to uh, Howard Beck, it wasn't just that, but it was kind of like emblematic of a lot of stuff, yep. and it's uh, one of the best parts of the book. Before that, though, um, there was the conversation with Jason Richardson, and you talk about how Mayor, um, you wrote he wanted to know how Richardson believed the team could be uh, could build a winning culture, how it could best support its players, and what examples from his career he could share. So it it's clear he he cared at least a little bit about culture, and yet you could argue that now um, with the Sixers and their, you know, and you tell the story about Embiid and the meeting where Brett. I'm not going to spoil it, but the meeting that Brett Brown had with all of his assistant coaches where. He, what was the exact line? Like, why the fuck didn't anybody tell me this or something?
1: Oh, uh, which one? Yeah, the, the, yeah, that one. Yeah, like that. that the one, disrespect. Uh, no We can talk. don't ask about that one yet. That one. Like, yeah, what, it was Can you tell these, that?
0: Actually, tell that story. That's a, I, I'm probably my favorite story in the book. Yeah, I'm hoping.
1: It's, so it's it's was it year? Do you have It was it year one or two? I think it was year one, right? I have the page. Think, it
0: was on page one twenty five. I think it maybe was towards the end of year one. That sounds right, so, about right.
1: Right. So year one, and again, so the context is Embiid comes in, he's a rookie. What's his third, fourth year in America, right? And his brother dies in a horrific accident. His 10-year-old brother, I believe he was 10 or 13-year-old, I forget the exact age, um, dies when he was, when he there, and that's like his first month in the season. So you can understand how that would kind of um, mess with your ability to just cope, just be in the NBA, right? So you have all that. That's the background. Yeah, but while that, so like that, that happens, but also Embiid's kind of acting like a, a petulant child, right? That whole year, um, you know, he's not working out. He's, there are weight issues. He's not eating well. You know, like he's he's violent, not violating. He's not like the team's checking on him, trying to deliver him food. He won't do it. He's yelling. It's not at Not just um, food. It's
0: you. Baked can be chicken, right? they, want to,
1: they want to give. Like, he's eating like basically he's eating. I mean, the Shirley temples, which and this stuff was even this stuff was documented back. Like, you know, this came out a few years ago. But right. Yeah. The Shirley temples. They want to drop off baked chicken. He's eating chicken fingers. Things like that, like they're they're coming in, dropping off meals in his fridge, and they're seeing that the old meals are not uneaten. Um, that's happening. He, they, a, a strength coach is told to weigh him and B. This this was well documented, right? And B. They get into an argument and B. Yells at him. Um, and B. Gets sent home for something else. Okay, all well, that's happening. And at some point, um. The, the coach Brett Brown's called into a meeting with pretty much all the entire basketball staff, and someone gets up and says, basically, Joel's being it's disrespectful. This is a problem. And Brett turns to his uh, this, his uh, chief of staff assistants, guy Billy Lang, um, and pretty much I can curse right, and goes, yeah, you Why, the say you want? Go, "Why the fuck? Why the fuck did anyone tell me about this? What is going on?" I forget the exact. He's like, "So we did try. to. like no one fucking told me." Um, <laughs> this is yeah, a great line. It's uh, it's, it's very. Uh, yeah, Brett, Brett likes the curse. People don't know that. But, I, um,
0: that. That was one of my main takeaways from the book. But I mean, yes. I I saw this, and I, you know, all of the stories you tell. And I'm like thinking to myself, like, again, especially here in New York, we're always thinking about culture this and culture that. And Brooklyn has the culture. And that went to shit this past weekend with the Atkinson Fire firing. Like, do you have any opinions more so than you did before you started writing this? Like,
1: is culture a real
0: thing in your mind still? Or does it matter? Does it matter until you That's get a guy like so. Embiid I- and
1: like... I went the other way. That's so funny you said. So I went that. Like I, that's. I hear you, right? I went the other way. That this kind of proved it does matter, but maybe also that it's. it's, No, but that's interesting. Yeah, like that. Like it does matter that. So you can get. I think you can get the fifty wins. Like I'll say easily in quotes. What I mean is like that first step is the easy step, right? Like lots of teams do that. It's and and I think you can. Maybe there's a way. You can reach the level the Sixers have reached now in other teams, right? Where you get at a second round level, 50 win level with a bunch of holes in your organization. Um, I think to make that next step, the one after that, which is the harder one, I think that's where a lot of that stuff needs to be plugged up. up. And I think that's where things where culture matters. So for the Sixers example, right? Like Joel Embiid is almost perennially out of shape, right? And that's a big thing. Um, And there are other examples where you can point to, but that's a good example, right? And that... And that affects you as a team, and that prevent that could very well prevent you from making the leap that you're trying to make. Um, and a lot of that starts so in terms of culture. Like I do, I kind of called it like the original sin. Like a lot of that started with Brett and and Sam, right? And New Orleans Noel and New Orleans Noel kind of being allowed to show up. for
0: The Noel like, stuff
1: is just yeah, and I feel like, yeah. He's showing up for like they're holding team flights for him. And Jason Richardson saying, "I know we're not holding a flight for a rookie," and they're still holding it for him. And the Sixers would counter, and Brett would counter. We find him a lot, you know. So like what do you want? like what do you mean we like we let him we find him a ton but it's just there's <laughs> it's a there's, a, there's a there's a there's there's just like a feel to it right yeah. no, it's one of these things that's defined and you either have it or you don't right and and finding good but whatever it didn't work so that happens then in be his rookie years acting the way he did and Again, like they would say there were repercussions. We sent him home from a trip and whatever, but clearly the repercussions didn't work. And it's not that I advocate for like a Bobby Knight style type thing. Um and a lot of it is luck, right? It's a Greg Popovich cliche. It's like that line we all know and we all make fun of it. But when he says, you know, Timmy allowed me to, allowed me to coach him and that changed the whole thing. So it's not all on him, it's on the players too. But whatever it is, this so this yeah, I do think the culture happens and I think there's a bunch of things that go into it and it does make a difference. Um But it's like one of those things that's easier said than done for sure. It's,
0: you know, I never thought about it in the way you just put it. And it really does make a lot of sense. Like if you have a Joel Embiid and I guess to a slightly lesser extent a Ben Simmons, like doesn't matter what your culture is. You get, like you said, you get the 50 wins. You could get to the second round of the playoffs. I, and not that this is a fair question or that anybody even, even probably could answer this, but I wonder once the cat is out of the bag, do like what, what needs to happen for it to, to get back, like, you know, yeah. you know, and I guess maybe, hey, listen, maybe we'll find that out with the Sixers over the next couple of years if they, you know, if they reach, um, you know, some of their goals, which um, that was the other thing I wanted to ask you just generally about the book. I, I forgot before. What was it like writing a book about a story that was literally still ongoing as you were writing it?
1: Um, it was kind of annoying. I remember the times they'd be like, you know, Jimmy Butler, Markel Foles, and I'd turn to my wife and be like, no more, no more. <laughs> um, I can't have any more. um yeah no it was weird it was definitely weird because right it was um it was um unfolding in real time it was also interesting like doing all this background reporting and then seeing you know the results of that stuff play out um play out in front of me right so if i'm like these things i just talked about the culture stuff and Noel or bead how they act and then seeing last year you know and be not being particularly healthy down the stretch right not being sure, in great yeah. shape um things like that seeing those play out um Seeing the stuff, you know, about Sim- Simmons' refusal to work on the shot and hearing some of the details about that, and then, like, you know, starting reporting on that, and then coming back and seeing that he, it was decided by him that his half brother would be his shooting coach, right? And it's like, it's interesting seeing those things play out. Yeah, it was hard, though. It was hard not knowing where the story would end was tough. Um, and the Kawhi shot, like, that was crazy. I was like, okay, I knew, like, I'm on. I got to capture everything I got here.
0: Were you, uh, God's honest, true, were you pulling for that to go, like, one way or the other? To um, go in or
1: out? So, the answer is yes and yes, right? So, from, like, financially, right? And even not financially, I'll say, like, just book-wise, like, if the Sixers win the championship last year. Oh. That's probably the best thing for me, right? Yeah, um But I was also ready to come home. <laughs> like, <I> was right. <laughs> like, my wife was so happy when that, that's uh, as fine. she was, I was in Toronto, we were WhatsApping or texting and, um... And if you remember the game, like the Raptors were up and she's excited and she's putting on, then like the Sixers make a little comeback. And I think they scored like five points in the last minute or whatever to tie the game. And she was like sending me curses. And I'm like, I'm sorry, it wasn't me. And that <laughs> shot, she was so happy that shot went in. Um,
0: it That's- was- that's fantastic. Yeah. I don't blame her. I mean, yeah. listen, there are they're, they're our, our, our supporters, right? right. Um, exactly. So there are a couple of, of ties to the Nixon here uh, throughout, sprinkled throughout the book that are good. Fultz, I didn't know, maybe this was reported at the time, that Fultz didn't... Um, New York was one of the two places he didn't want to get drafted by, and this was obviously before the uh, lottery uh, shook out. Yeah, yeah. It was clear he didn't want to... Um, or he was going to be the first pick. thought that was interesting. The Porzinga story is great. I, I'll... I, uh, I I want to let save that for the readers um, who, by the way, um, if you haven't ordered this book yet, do yourself a favor, like pause the podcast right now and go to your own Twitter page. The link is right there. Read this book. This book is fucking awesome. Sorry, I just had to say that. <laughs> no,
1: it's great for a pandemic quarantine time. It's I mean, perfect. seriously, if you're going to be holed up in your house, which it seems like we're all <laughs> going to
0: be for the foreseeable future. Um, the one connection that I I don't know that I just forgot he worked for the Knicks or was not more than worked for the Knicks was Scott O'Neill, who is oh, like yeah. <laughs> the, the boogeyman to a lot of hinky fans here. Um, he, he, I don't know. I mean, you tell me, but do you think he's the one most responsible for the fact that and I should say, so Scott O'Neill in the, what was it? The nineties, right? Or maybe no, it was two thousands. He the was Knicks? the yeah, so he was the president. It was after
1: Isaiah, right? He came. Yes. He, he pretty much was brought in after the Isaiah. Whatever you want to. He tried to get it,
0: LeBron and Wade and Bosh and help design that pitch meeting yeah. and then push. And for, I'll give
1: credit also, right? So financially, he did a bunch of fi- a bunch of. Like, everyone says he's really good on the sales side, right? In that and sponsorship, and he did a bunch of things. So after Isaiah, he came in and sold a bunch. I think it was Coca Cola, maybe something. A bunch of other sponsorships and like kind of helped the Knicks. Rebuild their brand, quote unquote, as much as I hate their name. Well, he, listen,
0: he's no Steve Stout. That. Your own, Steve stout. he's no you. Steve Stout. Let's let's listen. We respect <laughs> Steve stout of- <laughs> That's
1: good, right? Yeah, no, so for sure, I will. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: can't, can't can't sully his good name. um Yeah, so then, so anyway, so he went for did he? I forget if he went right from that role to the Sixers, but he ends up. um Oh no, sorry, he had a stopover. I guess maybe. No, or I- no,
1: no, it was, I think, I believe it was, it was NBA offices before that. I That's, think it was the Knicks. He left the Knicks or had whatever him and Dolan had that, you know, it was, he got Dolan. He got Dolan. Um, and then, and then, uh, and then it was to the Sixers. Yeah.
0: And so you kind of imply um, that maybe he was the one responsible for why, I mean, there's a lot, again, a lot of factors went into this, but what are your, what are your thoughts on Scott O'Neill, uh, who, by the way, is still obviously, you know, one of the people in charge of running the Philadelphia 76ers.
1: Yes. Uh <laughs> what are my thoughts on Scott O'Neill? That is a good way to phrase it. Um personally I'm all good with him. I have no issues. But uh, in terms of him yeah, he definitely played a role in Sam being. I mean, he said to me, like you know, I can give the story, but it's I, it's, it's the line good. of the
0: book, by the way.
1: Right yeah, no, I, got, I was very happy after I got that. I was I was around the team a lot, I was in Detroit, he was there, introduced himself myself to him, said what I'm doing, I'm writing the book, said I think it's kinda of funny, you know, you're kind of the boogeyman to process fans and he goes, Well Sam did it to himself. Somebody had to take the hit. And uh, he never said off the record. I clearly identified myself. So I kind of walked away and emailed that quote to myself. And that was that. I knew that was going in uh, no matter what. Right. And so, and like, you know, maybe if I had spoken with him a different time, but he declined all of their interviews and conversation really almost all of the conversations, um, or opportunities to talk. Um, so yes, yeah, so I felt comfortable putting that in, but so, I mean, he's basically admitting, right? <laughs> like what happened and people, yeah, it's this not unlike Scott O'Neill is, um, not shy about sharing his opinions with even strangers. Um, so he yeah, seems that, like he a def- forward guy, I guess. Would yeah. Say? Yeah. He definitely played a role. So yeah, I'll give like the credit where credit's due. And I made sure to do this. Like he did a huge, some of the stuff the Sixers have done in terms of their brand and ta- sales and all that. Uh, he's very innovative. His sales team loves him. He's a big culture guy. Um, if you look, if you Google him, I think he has a really nice essay written on LinkedIn about the importance of like maternity and paternity leave for parents and you know adult and childcare and in terms of a workplace. So like plenty of good stuff. That said, he uh, he's very he, he's not he is not one of these um, team. Business presidents who sits on the sidelines and lets the GM operate as the GM would like. Um, and some people would say that makes sense. There should be synergy. Synergy is one thing. Um, inserting your opinions or going behind a guy's back is another. And like I have a story where he basically he was pitching StubHub to become the Sixers' first jer- the, the Sixers jersey sponsor, um, the first jersey sponsor in the NBA. And he flies there and he's pitching them. And I asked the SubHub president who I spoke to, one, what do he say about Sam Hinky? And the president says, the subHub guy says, "I don't never heard that name before." So <laughs> his name was Sam Hinky's name was never referenced in a meeting about pitching about the team. and part of the pitch was how we're building this big young team, and we're going to turn things, you know, on the rise. Um, and the other thing is O'Neill pitched them on, you know, I asked the StubHub uh, president, like, well, were you worried about, you know, sponsoring a team who was known as a loser? And he said, no, because the pitch was by the time the sponsors are allowed, the sponsor, jersey sponsorships are allowed, um, we're going to be good. Things will be turned around. We're going to be good. And Sam Hinkie, one of the, his rules, like one of the things he refused to do was put a timeline on anything that just because he thought that. And he's probably right, right? That's how you make mistakes. If you, hey, look at the Knicks, right? We're making I, play, I, I, no. I was about to
0: say, I mean, it's right, easily it's, translatable.
1: Right, if you set arbitrary timelines because it doesn't let you react in real time to what the facts on the ground, right? It makes you chase something. Um so Sam would never do that, and the fact that Scott O'Neill was pitching them on a timeline and not mentioning Scott Sam Hinkie in the meeting pitching the Sixers is just kind of telling.
0: It's you know, it's just it really is amazing how much, you know and I, I know this as well as anyone, how much teams get in their own way sometimes and I, I mean and again there was so many thoughts that were going through my mind as i'm reading this and and the one thing that i kept coming back to because you write about all of the instances so so very well is how much they missed on and how much despite the fact that they got these two guys and they had you know and they landed on Covington and Saric who was good and you could even you could even argue the Butler trade i mean we could go, i mean that that trade i think that not the trade not when they traded Butler away in this past summer, and if you want, I'm to-
1: with you. That was a good trade. I'm, I'm cutting you off. That was a good trade. Like they gave up, they didn't give up much, right? The, the, yeah, that was Paris a good trade. States. Butler is, there's no issue. Yeah,
0: yeah. But at the same time, you know, Nerlens Noel, um, you know, and and even going further back, and again, would they have been able to tank if they hadn't traded Drew Holiday? But they, you know, they gave up Drew Holiday for nolan's Noel, the Okafer, the Fultz trade. What happened with Fultz after that? Just all this stuff. I, did, have, did you ever, at, the, at any point in time writing this, just stop and think like, "Wow, this could have been the dynasty that like dominate the league for
1: the next decade"? If they, for sure, for sure, and I mean, right. So part of it was right. Hinky's whole thing was, "Well, draft picks, you know, we're gonna make mistakes." It's yeah, swings at the plate. I go back and forth on my thought, personal thoughts on that. You know, it's so like you know, we need we need to accumulate as many picks as we can because draft is basically a crapshoot, which means I'm gonna miss picks. So therefore, if I miss picks, like I've told you, I would miss picks. I need more picks. It just—I don't know if I agree. I agree, it's more. Uh, there's, there's a lot more luck in it than fans would like to admit. But I also think, like, I don't know. That's the job, right? The job's to nail your picks. Not every single one, but the job is to nail. And, and there are clearly people in the league who are better at, at it than others, right? I think that's fair to say. So sure. that doesn't—that makes me think, like, it's not fair to say it's all luck. Um, yeah. And then I mean, the other one is like, despite all the missing, man. It, <laughs> If if Markell Fultz is a play, I've been thinking about this a lot. If Markel Fultz is a player, they think he is, right? Even if they just hit that, the, everything changes. Like he is, like when you talk about the kind of guy the Sixers are missing now, um, it's him. It's, it's, it's him, right? It, it's it's a, is the version big, of
0: him they thought they were drafting? Yeah,
1: yeah. And then it seems literally almost everyone else except the Celtics, right? Like it's it's yeah. a big point guard who can shoot, create his own shot, guard ball position. Like just that's the guy. Like that is the guy. It would have been fascinating yeah that like even despite the other misses that might have been enough you know
0: yeah and no, i just like i said i was listening to the full 48 you did with howard um and you i think correctly identified the fact that we even even after all the and i think you got all the facts i don't i still don't think we know exactly what happened there i mean as best as i could pin it down it was basically he started screwing around once he got injured and it's like this you know exponential you know growth of of issues that started from something so small i mean it's it's crazy I, and you the the fault story is just I, I don't even know as you were reporting that i can't even imagine what was going through your mind as you were finding out all that stuff
1: yeah and it was one of the hardest things to report cuz it i mean it starts with you know faults and his camp seem um unwilling to acknowledge or even entertain the idea that anything happened here besides a shoulder injury um and I don't think I think that's fair to say I'm not I agree. I can say the Sixers certainly didn't agree. Right. Or don't agree. <laughs> yes. Um. And I know like it's easy to say, OK, but like we get hold them as our star witness. But like, I mean, I don't know. It's he, he went to a lot of doctors. Right. <laughs> he yes, he did. A lot of doctors. So it's like that's all you have to. I mean, it's, this is clearly not a black and white thing. And. You know, even now with him, like he's talking about changing, he still can't shoot, and his shot is still kind of broken. If you watch him warm up, it still looks different. So he's putting up decent numbers, but if you look at his per thirty six numbers that he's putting up now versus during that stretch when he came back during his rookie year, the end of the his rookie season, they're pretty similar. Um, he's really athletic. He's really strong with the ball. He's really nat- He's got natural feel and athlete. And like you put him in a game, especially not a playoff game, he's going to put you. You give him twenty five minutes, he's going to give you twelve and eight, right? Yeah. Um, in a playoff series, he wouldn't, but in a regular season, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that story, right. Uh, so the fact that, you know, faults won't even acknowledge anything, it makes it really hard to get at because it's left with a lot of, uh, you're left with a lot of conjecture and guesses. Like what I kind of try to do is just try to paint a picture of the context of, okay, well, here's what he was dealing. Here's what we know. We know he hurt his ankle and started messing around with his shot or shooting. You know, anyone who's played, if you, have a, if you hurt a little bit and you start shooting, you can, uh, can kind of short circuit your muscle memory of your shot a little bit, um, and that's, I think, Think what happened. There was also some pressures that happened between his mom and his best friend getting into arguments. And, you know, Fultz was, he was a kid who at 15, he was playing JV. It wasn't like he was groomed for like being the number one pick. Like, this was all new to him and his family. And there was just a lot going on.
0: It's it's the part of the book that if it was
1: try if someone
0: tried to sell it as a movie script uh, it would get rejected because they're like no no this this couldn't actually happen um, but it <laughs> right. did um, all right I'm gonna end end on this um, and this is a completely unfair question and you're the only person the I best. I could think of who could even try to answer it so here goes um, I, I'll ask the question and then I'll, I'll give preface it so the question is could the process ever happen again and and I'm thinking about this basically thinking of a couple things one would the league ever allow it to get as far and maybe that answers the question right there but even kind of putting that in its own bucket like we have new lottery rules now right um yep. that's changed things and you had this you had a footnote um early on in the book about the you know um how whatever what everything that happened uh putting the big 3 together in Miami in 2010 but mm-hmm. at the time the process got started you know i don't think the idea of player empowerment and like wow these guys are just going to go where they want almost not maybe not exactly when they want but like you know sooner rather than later um it it it's not like when sam took this job it was like okay if we land on the right guy that's it we have him for 10 years um so i think there's just a lot has changed in the last whatever it's been 7 8 years so yeah sure. do you think the uh, like this could ever happen again
1: but not only is that in terms of you're going to keep the guy, I think it's also changed like – so the way the, – the math, the equation he did, like if you imagine – and he didn't literally do this. But if you imagine this, it's – and like Hinky would laugh. He's known as a tanking guy. But then he would say like in Houston, we didn't tank, right? It's not that he was into tanking. It was that – like it was like you take out a board. You say, we want to get here, championship. Okay, here's where we are right now, right? These are two points on opposite sides of the board. What's the best way to get from A to B? Um, when he was in Houston, right, they figured they had, a, they had Yao, they had McGrady. Um, it was like, okay, let's, let's get Shane Battier types, put guys around them, right? Um, in philadelphia it's okay the covers bear you can argue otherwise right and decently with Drew holiday whatever but the covers bare. whatever reason this is the best way to do it we have to tear down go here and the other thing he did like you look at previous i should add this right you look and he did this he looked at previous champions yes almost every single one has a star right almost every single one has a star and almost every one of those stars is drafted by his team in top five top three whatever it is so, like you know kobe Shaq, duncan a lot of you know we all know the list yeah lebron um now the and that's how you get the star right so the math is you need that guy to make to win a championship the best way to get that guy is to pick in the top five boom that's our equation right that's our that's our algebra um it's different now right like the contracts are shorter you get guys like you don't have to draft in the lottery to get guys um you can sign guys guys go to different teams guys come on you can trade for guys i mean that's a little more risky to pay on your market but there's other ways to get a superstar um so yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. I honestly like between that and the lottery odds, it almost—it's not that it wouldn't. It would be—it would be dumb, I think, to do this. Like I think it would be—it would—it would be like your equation then would be wrong, right? It, like, it, would, it would. The be, math
0: changes just enough, I think. That to, it, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, and then you miss goes like, like I find Atlanta fascinating to watch. I mean, no one's ever said that about the Atlanta Hawks before, so maybe I should change that. But just the idea that like <laughs> they were—they <laughs> were willing to it became very clear this, like going into this year, it seemed like they were on this sort of processing, processing path. Right. Um, and it became very clear this year that that changed fast. Right. Like the talk about process and I don't know if they actually said process, but you know, young no, players was, and, waiting, patience, and patience. Yeah. And patience and all that, that went out the window. They're trading for veteran. They're training for Clint Capella. Um, there's, you know, there's reports coming out about people being upset at the coaches and owners not being happy and things like that. Um, and you need the stomach for it. So yeah, it's interesting. Like, could a team do that? I don't, yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I don't think they could. I don't. Maybe they could. I don't think they should. Like, I'm looking. I'm as we're talking, I have the standings open. I don't know. I mean, I thought about it
0: for next season. With again, bring it back to the Knicks. Like, if if I had my druthers, would I want them to do what a lot of people think they should have done this season and just, you know, play the young guys? much more get more get better get you know late career jason richardson type veterans as opposed to julius randall and Alfred payton it's like yes. would that make more sense in a draft ahead like does it does the particular draft matter like we have cade cunningham and whoever else coming a year and you know a couple months from now I, I don't it's just it's it, it's very interesting to me i guess that's all i i wanted to kind of bring about because it really this book really does make you think i, I guess is the main it's- point
1: you know what it is? It's probably like you probably do it. Like the Knicks should have done that this past year, right? And like, but then I don't know. It's funny. Like, it's probably just you know, how long you're going to do that. It's not going to make sense. And not because, here, you know, I'll relate it back to the Knicks. So like, the Knicks short circuited their whole thing. I was re watching. It's funny. You'll, I mean, this will be a whole thing, but for a story I'm trying to write or whatever, I was re watching the Steve Mills, the David Fisdale press conference. Oh, how like was that for you? Well, uh, <laughs> it's fascinating, man, because Steve Mills says all the right oh, things. Oh, he's great. All of them. Fantastic. All of them. And and so I don't know if the answer was if things went wrong because when he's talking about process and like the end goal was, was to try to sign KD and Kyrie and that's like what they were talking about. We just didn't know it, right? And that's like what they, when they were saying, you know, we're going to go slow, but like what he really means by slow is two years and that's it. Or whether... The, you know they got blinded by the gold, you know, and like oh what's well screw this. this. These guys are we have a chance for them, but like there is a way to do it. I just there's a way to do it in a smart way. Maybe not go. You don't have to like tear down everything, right? You can pay one player. You can do a few things. I mean the Nets are a good example. I know. Yeah, Knicks fans don't like that. No, but no, but they. I,
0: I six listen. Six that's what, it, right. But that's what they tried to emulate this past summer. If we're being honest, they tried to do what the Nets did the previous year. I mean, uh, you know, I yeah. Think there's any mistake? I don't know. I I. You know, I think the, the the my main takeaway is like he thought he had not figured it out, but he thought he had fi- like you said, he thought he had figured out the best approach given where they were. And right. I don't even think teams get most bad teams get that far.
1: Um, and- uh, I would agree. Or yeah. it becomes right. We we're talking about the political stuff earlier. It becomes more of quick the other way, right? Like more of the other extreme, where it's like I'm just going to try to keep my job, right? Yeah, what's in that Um, right. I mean, it's in the NBA, man. If you <laughs> your plan could be bad, if you have a plan and you stick to it, you're ahead of the curve.
0: Yeah, no, I, you know, it's you read my mind. I was thinking about that actually in relation to something else that I'm writing uh, earlier today. Um, listen, I have kept you uh for a very long time. Um thank you for this I, I, can you give everybody out there just one one more plug for where they could find this book
1: sure you can find it on amazon they'll deliver it to your door i know i'm not supposed to promote amazon because i guess they're not cool in with us but whatever i don't know but whatever. like they'll put, they'll fine. deliver it right to your door right to your door during a quarantine it's great um you can look it at amazon you can get you can get the book will come out march 17th it's available for pre-order you can get it where all books are sold um I do think I'd listen to Nick's podcast, but I think Nick's fans will appreciate or enjoy what they see in there. Hold um, on. I can speak
0: to fans. that. Every Any person who likes basketball
1: should read this book. There you go. It's listen no, it's
0: just, it's a great, like it's a great NBA story. Like, I couldn't put it down. I read the thing in a week. It's just, it doesn't matter what team you root for. It's a great story. It's great reporting. And like, I, again, I know you, you know, couldn't name the book, like the process, but you, you, it's in the title is the most audacious process. And that is like the takeaway you will get from this book. It is, it is so audacious what they tried to do. And like, we didn't get into 10% of it on this podcast, but there's so many little like nitty gritty details. It's just, you know, it's whatever. It's a page turner. So yeah,
1: no, thank you. I'm proud of it. I appreciate you saying that means a lot.
0: Yeah, no, of course. Um, again, thank you for coming on. Um, I, um, look forward to other people reading this so i could talk to them about it and uh yeah i guess i'll i'll keep an eye out for you on other um podcast shows i'm sure you're a busy man these days
1: no good yeah i appreciate it thanks man
0: anytime man thank you